The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. In John's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000 leads to extended teaching in which Jesus identifies himself as the true bread of life. Finally, in these verses, he makes a connection that would not be understood until after his death in light of the church's celebration of Holy Communion. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our servant king, we call upon you today as the one who brings us hope and promise, who brings us strength when we are feeling weak and frail, the one who gives us hope when we are without uh, a clue where to go next. So we ask, Lord, that your word would um, sink into our hearts and your calling to each of us today, maybe to do something new and bright and hopeful for someone else will be answered. Help the Holy Spirit to um, come near to each one of us and to inspire us, Lord, to, to serve and make this a better place. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I imagine most of us have favorite Bible passages or Bible stories. And um, today we have one of mine in the readings. And that is from the Old Testament today. I'm not going to preach on the gospel, but I do enjoy Joshua 24. It's, just, it's the last chapter in the book of Joshua. And let me set the stage for you. Joshua, who's been a military victor and a servant of the Lord, um, is having a huge meeting at the close of this book. He invites all the influential leaders in his community, uh, the elders, the officers, the judges, the teachers of the day, to come stand up front with him. These leaders, you see, have been entrusted with maintaining justice and mercy and faithfulness among those people for many, many years. Joshua also gathers all the 12 tribes of Israel at Shechem, a city of refuge, a city of a safe haven, which makes a much history possible for Israel. For it was here at Shechem that Father Abraham received the promise long ago that his offspring would be a great nation. And here then Abraham built an altar to commemorate a miraculous future promised by God. 
Next at Shechem came Moses' story, when God led people from the bitter slavery in Egypt in the wilderness for 40 years, and still en route to the promised land. They now are, um, now all those terrible battles are behind them. And Moses has died before he got into the promised land. He sees it from afar. So with all those battles behind them, it's Joshua's time now to rise up to power. And he has chosen to lead his people across the Jordan River through many battles, many victories, and finally has won the promised land. They are settled in now. So in today's reading, this warrior, this old man Joshua, gives his last lecture. He's telling his people, all of you leaders, all of you people who have been in this so long with us, God has now kept his word. Israel stands on the brink of a new nation's birth. Now is the moment for everyone to re-up their loyalty, to choose today which God they will serve, whether the gods of the Amorites and others in this region or other gods, or will they serve our one God? The other gods are impotent, and they will not build your future, is Joshua's message. And so let's re-up God's covenant in our lives, God's commandments, and they will bring our community success and safety. God's parameters at this historic moment are what the forefathers and foremothers are about to reclaim. It's as if they were starting the American nation when we had to do some similar things and say, in God we trust. That will be our motto as Americans. Or as Joshua put it in his day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a bit like a renewal of marriage vows today for a couple. They have made a vow, this couple, to love each other, to partner through sickness and health until death separates them. They make a vow to be honest with each other and generous, giving devotion sacrificially to one another, not counting the cost. Yet, as you are well aware, day in and day out, it gets hard to keep those promises faultlessly. There are job pressures that come up, and children's issues, and aspirations of success and advancement and wealth can challenge one's moral fiber and your priorities in the marriage. So it is beneficial from time to time to renew and to publicly affirm your love still continues unabated and deepens from time to time in that relationship. The same is true of our love relationship with God. Joshua knows this in today's reading. It's a brand new generation of Israelites who stand before him who weren't even born when their parents began the journey to the promised land. So this personal pledge and renewal which claims God above all else is not just for the old folks right now, but for the rising generation who will soon be in charge and taking over. To bring all this Old Testament stuff close to home, Upper Dublin is blessed now beyond measure with resources and talented folks and servant people Right now, the natural aging and attrition of many of our former rock star leaders is slowly taking place, and the reins of leadership must gradually be assumed by the next generations. 
Many of you folks may not even have been here when this sanctuary was built, when our amazing lay people, before the arrival of a new pastor, got together and had the chutzpah to lead a building campaign all by themselves. The new construction, now I hope I get it right, says Livy's looking at me, uh, was for the Sunday school wing and for the office staff offices down at the other end of the building, which connected the two buildings. And yesterday, I was also abundantly reminded of someone who made it very clear whom he served above all. What an inspiration. And I speak of former UDLC pastor Tom Cadle. As you have heard, probably he has been fighting a deadly brain tumor since last October and sadly lost the battle just a few weeks ago. In his retirement, you may recall, he preached here in the last year or ten month, or year and a half about a food program called Food for the Poor, which he supports. This organization brings clean water and supplies and builds homes for families in Haiti who are a part of the disasters of the many hurricanes. And we were hoping to join that project ourselves, so I asked him to come and tell us more about it. He has been in Haiti many times with this building program. For years in in his church in Culpsville, he kept a trailer ready in the parking lot filled with supplies and aid for flood victims in New Orleans and the surrounding areas. But he was also a chaplain for 25 years for the Harleysville Community Fire Company. He pulled up countless times to local emergencies where people were devastated, would put on his fire hat and his coat, and would stride out to console and pray with traumatized victims who didn't know where to go next. He was a counselor and a coach for those in need of psychological support later in his life, as well as a creative youth leader at his very beginning back in Kensington in in Philadelphia. I was humbled as about eight speakers got up yesterday at his memorial service to to tell what a champion he was of uh, sensitivity and spiritual support for so many. One man's compassion and dedication was stunning. I heard over and over again how Tom Cadle might be saying, he and his house choose to serve the Lord at every possibility. And it was humbling indeed to look myself in the mirror after I got home and consider, man, you know, what do people say after you're gone? And what are you putting your energy in and your focus in? And would they say that I said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? I hope so. Yet don't All of us Christians, if we're honest, face Joshua's question of our loyalties on a daily basis. It's impossible to exaggerate the urgency of our answers needed for our nation right now, for Christ's church, for the selection of future Supreme Court judges and congressional and senatorial candidates, and for some 500 Mexican children still languishing in fenced cages. You may remember Michael Jackson's old song, which never grows old. He sang, heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying. If you care enough for the living, make it a better place for you and for me.
And preacher uh, William Willimon says this, when we love someone deeply, we find ourselves no longer thinking in terms of I or you, but rather in terms of us and we. The love for God in Jesus beckons us one of the, on one of the most important journeys we will ever undertake, the long countercultural journey outside of ourselves toward the true center of our being, who is Jesus. We say he saves us from our sins. But Willimon says, I'm thinking it's also true to say Jesus Christ saves us from ourselves. And don't we need that help nowadays? So my brothers and my sisters, as Joshua once called his contemporaries, to decide their loyalties as they began a new taking over of the promised land, they decided whom they will serve. And many centuries later, God is still calling to you and to me at Upper Dublin, calling us to declare our loyalty and commitment to serving him and our neighbors above all, unconditionally, no matter their country of origin, their world religion, or their race or their gender. God wants us to grow his church, make it a welcome place, and that happens when we put God first. He who created us, who protects us, forgives us, and trusts us to serve and save others in his world with the same compassion and grace that he shows us every day. Amen.